Well, hello everyone. It's time for today's LaneCast on the Talkin' Ag Lane podcast. I'm Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. And joining us here today all the way from Sydney, Montana, is a young producer that I had the privilege of going to college with, Miss Caitlin Dennison with the Dennison Feedlot and Ranch over there. Caitlin, how are you doing here this morning? I'm doing well, Lane. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. The sun is shining. What's the weather like out there in eastern Montana? For once, the wind isn't howling and the sun is shining. It's actually looking like it's going to be a pretty nice day. Well, we'll cross our fingers that uh, that nice day continues throughout this week and uh, throughout this summer. And hopefully uh, you guys get a little moisture over there. It's been pretty dry, hasn't it? Yes, we definitely need some spring moisture to get that grass growing. Yes, well, hopefully we get a little moisture out there for you, but uh, one thing that uh, many producers in that area and just water users in cities are pretty concerned about is the Lower Yellowstone Irrigation Project. Now, for the folks listening here today, there is a situation in eastern Montana where a pallid sturgeon in the Yellowstone River is trying to be saved by conservationists, by ranchers and local communities, and uh, it's kind of being held up. Caitlin, let's talk about this. You are a producer out there. You are impacted by this. Let's give our listeners a quick synopsis of how environmental groups are trying to shut down a way of life in eastern Montana. Sure. So the pallid sturgeon has been on the endangered species list since 1990, I believe. And the Corps of Engineers, which runs our irrigation dam, our weir, in the Yellowstone River, has proposed a bypass to make a bypass channel and a new concrete weir that's safer for the fish and then the bypass channel allows the pilot surgeon to go around the weir to be able to get to spawning grounds. And this proposal came out a couple of years ago and uh, Defenders of Wildlife sued the Corps of Engineers saying it was unconstitutional and saying that the pallet sturgeon would not actually use the bypass channel. And basically what we've been battling over in court for the past few years is that they want our irrigation weir removed. They want us to put in pump sites, which would be incredibly expensive for our irrigation district. And basically they just want to stop our irrigation project as a whole. Now, the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks has even come out and endorsed the, uh, the, the new weir that they would be putting in place to help the pallid sturgeon. And the Army Corps of Engineers, of course, have already wrapped up an environmental impact statement that has already been approved, determining that that bypass channel was the best alternative for fish populations and for agriculture. But as uh, you said, defenders of wildlife do not believe that. And what would you say, Caitlin, are they, what, what kind of science are they presenting in court to the district court there in Great Falls? Um, they're not really presenting very sound science. Uh, they're basically just arguing that we haven't planned it out enough or the Corps hasn't planned it out enough and hasn't done enough research, which is completely wrong. Um, the environmental impact survey says that this will work. Um, it says the majority of the fish will use that bypass channel because they're already using an existing side channel. It's hard because um, they aren't really arguing on a basis. They are arguing solely on emotion. Now, uh, Dr. Gary Brester, who you and I both had classes from at Montana State University, he really put together a nice 
economic impact that the irrigation has on eastern Montana. And it's not just for irrigation for agricultural purposes, but also for municipalities there in eastern Montana. But Dr. Brester says that on average, annually, the total crop value produced by this irrigation district over the past five years is estimated to be slightly more than $54 million. So not only is it it could potentially end a way of life, the life that your family's worked very hard uh, for so long in eastern Montana to do, but also the Defenders of Wildlife are holding up all the funding to be able to put in this new weir. It could potentially end the opportunities for the pallet sturgeon to repopulate. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. Congress has put the funding in place, and right now we're just on standstill. And the longer this gets held up in court, uh, the longer it takes for them to build it, and the longer it takes for the pallid surgeon to recover. Um, really, it's not helping anyone, and it puts everyone in this valley on edge. Um, the farmers don't know what our future is going to be like, and we're not the only ones that rely on it. I mean, yesterday at the hearing, one of the optometrists, one of our eye doctors was up there. We had local business owners up there. We had just plain members of the community that rely on the services that our town has but would go away without the economic base of our agriculture. Now, Caitlin, you're referring to on April 26th, there was a hearing for summary judgment there in the District Court of Montana. There was two busloads full of those uh, charter buses that left from Sydney early in the morning and traveled to Great Falls. That's quite a trip. What was it like being a part of that convoy heading west? What, what was the feeling like between your community members heading over there to stand up for eastern Montana? It was really empowering to see how many people came out to support. Uh, there was almost 80 people on the two buses. Um, there were about 45 vehicles that headed up. So there was already over 250 people that went to this hearing. Uh, we filled the one courtroom, and I actually was got to sit in the jury box, which was pretty neat. Uh, we filled another courtroom where they live brought or live streamed it. Um, they filled a room downstairs where they also live streamed it to them, and so. It was really empowering to see how many people came out to support this project, and it really made me appreciate how many people rely on the irrigation district in the community. You being front row, that's a great opportunity to really see the facial expressions of the judge, of the defendants and the plaintiffs. What was the feeling that you got? What was that experience like hearing the argument against your way of life and, and what uh, your lawyers uh, for, for the project, uh, what, what was it like to just sit there and uh, be so close to the action? Uh, well, it was really frustrating to listen to the defenders of wildlife, uh, basically because they're putting a prehistoric fish above hundreds of people and our way of life in our community. And then it was very frustrating. You could see our lawyers on our side were also frustrated with the arguments they were presented. The judge was frustrated uh, because his decision was overturned in the Ninth Circuit. And it was a very tense situation all around. And it's there's a lot riding on this decision, and so it's not an easy decision to make and a, or a light decision. And again, like just going back to the efforts to conserve this fish, the communities and the farmers and ranchers have put a lot of time into efforts to have this new weir put into place because at the end of the day, you both want to thrive. Right. Yeah. Save the fish, save the farmer. That's been our motto this whole process. 
Now, what what were some of the things that the judge said? Of course, uh, electronic devices, recording devices were not allowed into the courtroom. What did he say? Was there any glimmer of hope in his words, or was he pretty right down the middle in his uh, in his comments before he uh, would announce making a ruling? Which, of course, he did not yesterday. But what what was his demeanor like? Well, the Ninth Circuit uh, decision was fairly strong worded. And they did not agree with the decision he made on putting the injunction in place. And he basically told the defenders of wildlife that they had to make their argument very strong um, to support themselves and make it a case. But for me, I don't know if he swayed one way or the other. It was really hard to read him. Um, I hope he rules in our favor, but it's really hard to know until he gives us the decision. Now, Caitlin, you're a young producer. Right out of college, you had that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to head home to be a part of the family operation. What What's going through your mind? You've been home for a few years now, and there's so much uncertainty around it. But, you know, this is this is a big moment for, the, for your future, for your family's future. What's it like being a young producer, knowing you're still having to fight for your right to be a farmer and rancher in eastern Montana? Well, it's troublesome. Um, my sister and I were both lucky enough to be able to come home and if we were to lose our irrigation we would essentially lose our feedlot. Uh, we use the irrigated land to raise all the feed for our feedlot and if we weren't able to have that we wouldn't be able to have our feedlot and I'm not entirely positive my sister and I would both be able to be at home. Uh, so it's very stressful. Uh, it's frustrating that people that do not live here are going to be able to make decisions about our way of life and what we do. Uh, people that won't be affected by the decision one way or the other really have our entire community in our, their hands and it's terrifying to be honest. Um, there's not many young farmers in the valley, there's a handful of us and I know we're all worried about our future um, if we will have to go out and get different jobs or if we'll be able to continue on doing this and hopefully bring our children onto the farms and ranches. Um, so it's, it's stressful and it's a little frightening. Well, Caitlin, we're all going to cross our fingers and hope that Judge Morris there in the district court up in Great Falls really uh, looks at this situation and looks at the science behind it. And I hope he rules in the favor of all the water users there in the Sydney, Montana area. And of course, we don't know when that judgment will be handed down. But again, that will be summary judgment and that will pretty much determine uh, the future of that. Of course, it can be appealed to the higher courts. But uh, anything else that you'd like to share here today, Caitlin? Uh, I just really hope the judge realized with the support that showed up. I mean, we traveled 750 miles round trip, and I hope he realizes how important it is to our whole community, and it affects 60,000 acres of irrigated land, so I hope he, I hope he takes that into consideration. Well, and of course, with the uh, drop-off and natural resource exploration out in your area, too, $54 million, that's the economic impact every single year that the agriculture impact from that irrigation has. That is not just an impact on the Sydney, Montana to Glendive, Montana areas. That's that's the whole state. That's a lot of tax dollars. And it is. And that, that impact could be felt not just, it's going to be a ripple effect, no doubt. 
Absolutely. But, uh, well, we will keep everyone updated on this very serious situation. And, of course, we hope that the ruling goes in favor of the irrigators and water users there in eastern Montana. And, of course, that the funding will still be available to create that new diver diversion weird so that pallid sturgeon has the opportunity to... Uh, populate the Yellowstone River, no doubt. And, you know, before we jump off here, Caitlin, I just want to say congratulations. You were picked by the Montana Stock Growers Association to go on the Young Cattlemen's Conference with the NCBA. Are you pretty excited about that? I am really excited. Uh, it's something I've been looking forward to for a while, and I'm really honored to be chosen to go this year. Well, I went on this trip a few years ago, and you really get to see all aspects of the cattle industry, from the cow-calf operations to the feedlots to the packing facilities, all the way out to Washington, D.C. You're going to have a lot of fun on that. I'm, I'm jealous that I don't get to go on it again. <laughs> I'm hoping it makes me a much better beef advocate, and I'm excited. Well, Caitlin, for our listeners out here today that maybe want to learn more about the Denison Feedlot and yourself, uh, how about social media? How can they find you? Yeah, we're on Facebook as Denison Ranch and Feedlot. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. I'm not, I'm post more on Facebook than any other social media site, but uh, you can find out what we're doing every day on our ranch on Facebook. Perfect. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts and your experience of being in the courtroom yesterday in Great Falls and, and standing up and being a voice for your community and for Montana agriculture. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, friends, that's going to do it for today's LaneCast on the Talkin' Ag Lane podcast. Again, follow us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, give us a rating. We are also on Google Play and other podcast apps. For more, just visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, download and subscribe to the podcast here today. I'm Lane Northland, your voice for agriculture.